You ready? Action. Action. Lights. Action. Camera. Action. Soup. Soup. Soup is delicious. Action. Soup. Soup. Action. Hi, what's up? We're Soup Action. <laughs> We've changed our name. We are now Soup Action. I'm Soup. He's Action. We got satisfaction. Ah, oh, fuck it. Uh, hey, hey, stop. I'm <laughs> Soup. Your action. Get it right, fucker. So, like I said, I'm Cadet Edak. That uh, jolly young man is White Trash Ninja. We are friends without benefits. Yeah. And this is our friends without benefits midnight radio show spectacular yeah. extravaganza. Yeah. Whatever the hell we're calling it this yeah. week. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I was finishing some soup. Yeah, soup action. I'm fucking hungry. And now we get to talk. We get to talk. Soup action, yeah. We get to talk soup action. Um, so, Ninja, uh, to recap, past When we two left weeks, off last week, we was talking about punk rock going into the mainstream. And shit, man, it happened so fast in the blink of an eye. And after the Nirvana, you know, you had bands like fucking Green Day... And Green Day, mm-hmm. and Green Day getting really popular in the media. But yeah. we've already talked about Green Day on this little show because we, you know, went on to them in our Bay Area punk segment. So we're gonna skip ahead of them a little mm-hmm. to another band that became extremely popular at that time. Who's that? That band is called Blink One Eighty Two. Never heard of them. Ha! Now. <laughs> A lot of people, they will probably talk shit and say Blink-182 is not punk. And by several regards, there might be some truth to that. How so? What well, are the naysayers going to say? Well, they're going to say that they were fucking corporate and they were on MTV and that they were, you know, they sold out to people like Vans or something like that. But at the end of the day, the difference between Blink and a lot of their contemporaries was that rather than write about, uh, you know, masturbating. No, I meant rather than write about like serious topic, like Green Day. Yeah, their songs were, you know, they were catchy and they were fun, but they were about serious topics. Uh, really? Dookie. How is Dookie serious? Maybe the album title wasn't, but a lot of the songs on that deal with uh, talking about coming out to your alone. Yeah, that song's kind of dark. It's not really like funny. It's more like depressing. Mm. I don't know. I felt bad for the protagonist in that song rather than like Billy giggling. Yeah, let's, let's be. But honest like, here. "Welcome to Paradise" was a song about you know moving out of mom and dad's house and living in a warehouse in the ghetto in Oakland and then like coming clean is about coming out of the closet to your parents mm-hmm. and FOD I don't really know who it's for but you know he's telling somebody to fuck off and die uh-huh. and then when I come around was about a long distance relationship between him and his girlfriend who uh-huh. later became his wife are they still together? Yes, they are. Oh, wow. As far as I know. I read that in a Rolling Stone article a while back, I think. Oh, Rolling Stone. Don't get me started on that oh, bullshit publication. Anyways, 
Blink-182, they were definitely more, like, funny. They did address a couple serious topics and songs. I would say Damn It is a somewhat, like, that's a serious song to some regard. <laughs> I used air quotes. World? No one can see my what air quotes. What in your world is serious? What's the difference between I don't serious know, damn it. and... Damn It's, uh, like, one of the only songs by them that's not, like, a bunch of dick and fart jokes. Uh... Okay. I mean, I guess that's true. I mean, it's about seeing a girlfriend about after a, a breakup. Uh, is that punk, though? Well, that's the thing. I don't think their subject matter was very punk. I think they adapted several punk... Tendent- I want to say tendencies mm-hmm. or attitudes... Uh, from a band like No Effects. Okay. You know, uh, on one of their early EPs, they covered a couple No Effects songs. Yeah. And No Effects, while they were very punk in every element known to man, you know, never getting signed to a major label, never having any videos on MTV, never. Do they do Fuse? I don't. Or did they refuse? Uh, I don't think they were on Fuse. Much music. Maybe much music. VH1. It is Canadian. But no effects really address serious topics. They had a ton of dick and fart jokes, but mm. at the same time, they wrote all this stuff that was like very political and very, you know, they were very firmly rooted in their beliefs. Mm-hmm. So. I think Blink took some elements of no effects, especially like the pop structuring that no effects took from the descendants actually but while blink's subject matter might not have been punk you know they had the attitude mm-hmm. and they kept up with the idea that punk is just doing whatever the fuck you want to do i mean eventually they went an even weirder route you know after that self-titled album and they decided they wanted to be more like a new wave band (laughs) they were still doing what they wanted so i give them credit there but at the same time you know those albums fucking suck hey don't tell max that um you don't know max recorded our big shout out to uh max at secret bathroom he kicks ass um but yeah uh i i don't know i thought feeling this is a great song no, that song was a giant bag of dicks. No, it How? Why? I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. <laughs> That's Let me go in her ever. room. Feeling this. That's, I'd be we, feeling it. We had it. a joke when I was in high school. We talked about how if we ever had a Blink-182 musical, uh-huh. there was going to be like a scene where there were two kids, like a boy and a girl, sitting in a bed, and they were about to have sex for the first time. <laughs> And then, like, the song starts, and the guy looks, and the girl's like, I gotta regret right now. And then, like, a ton of children pop out behind the set. And they're like, I'm feeling this! I'm feeling this! And we had this whole elaborate thing that we made up about a Blink-182 musical. Well. But despite the fact that Blink might not have been the most prototypical punk band, they're definitely a group that helped shape my musical tastes and introduced me to the people I just listed before. Like, I mean, I'd already known no effects. I think I found out about them around the same time. Um, 
Enema of the State came out in 1999. I remember it vividly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually, my friend played me What's My Age Again before school one morning. And I said, is this Matchbox 20? <laughs> and I'll never forget that because I felt like an asshole. Uh, but good. regardless. Hey, guys, is this Len? <laughs> Oh, I miss Len. Don't even get me started I'm on Len. Dude, I was a big fan We'll have of to Len. do another show devoted to 90s one-hit wonders that we totally miss. They weren't a one-hit wonder. That whole record was good. What, you can't stop the bum rush? Yeah, dude. Oh. Cryptic Souls Crew? That was a damn good song. Anyways, Hello point is... Hello, everybody, and how do you do? And a rock, shocky body with the Cryptic Souls Crew. Rock, rock, to the beach, yo. Oh, rock, gosh. rock. To the Shut beach, yo. Hello, everybody, and how do you do? Gonna rock, shock your body with the creepy soul screw. Rock, rock, to the beach, yo. Rock, rock, to the beach, yo. It's O M E. The yeah, I'll stop it. Yeah. Well, Enema came out, and right around the time it did, <laughs> my friend introduced me to "Please Play This Song on the Radio" by No Effects, <sighs> which is one of their weird borderline songs that's like a political stance on censorship and radio airplay mm -hmm. but is also like a stupid catchy pop number you know it's so simple and goofy and basic it could have been a blink song for you know for all oh. intents and purposes mm -hmm. but uh i got into them all at the same time and then because of them i was introduced to somebody like the descendants and you know the descendants Alongside the Misfits, I'd say, were the first two bands to kind of incorporate that pop riffage into their songwriting. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to take this time to listen to a few Blink and No Effect songs. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the Misfits and the Descendants kicking off that poppy lineage. Sounds good. Over and out, we'll Sarge. Be back in a Blink. And it's cadet.
just the right places It's got a few losing on And it takes a little pause Just before I sing the air one Please play this song on the radio Almost every line is sung in time And almost every verse ends in a rim Only problem we had was writing enough words It's okay, cause the chorus is coming up again now Please play this song on the radio Please play this song on the radio
You've just listened to Blink-182 and NoFX. NoFX. That was was my first time listening to NoFX. And now we're about to talk about more bands that I've not really listened to. Hit it, Ninja. Talk about The Descendants. Well, you know about The Misfits. I know that they um, put on a hell of a show. I know they've got a great aesthetic. I admire the character of Danzig, or I don't know what the characters' names were in that band. And I do, I really enjoy their music. I didn't know that they were necessarily punk. I know they sell a lot of um, buttons and t-shirts with that skull image, and they sell a lot of patches for jean jackets. Um, And I think Hot Topic has made good money off of them. I also know that they've got embattled in a lawsuit over the rights to that imagery. Um, so again, like I think they're a great brand, um, and they've got good music. I, think, I don't know if they're punk. Well, I think everything changed because you have two waves of the Misfits. Okay? Oh, there's the Danzig wave, which is like the late '70s to mid '80s. They're around in the '70s. Yeah, Jeez, they started please. in like '77 or '78 during disco. You got the Misfits. Yeah, well, when they, so when they first started, actually, uh, it was just Danzig on keyboards through a distortion pedal. <laughs> they had a drummer. I believe the first drummer, I want to say it was Joey Image, but I might be wrong. Joey Image. I can't remember if he was the first drummer. I know he might have been the second. And then uh, it was Jerry only on bass. So they had a keyboard through a distortion pedal, a bass guitar, and drums. And that was it. It was three of them. And then they passed their demo around, and they got themselves a real guitar player, and then Danzig just sang. And then after a change in personnel, they had a lineup that lasted about three years. And once they broke up, there was like a 13-year time period where nothing happened. Danzig had his own project the other members of the band just fought to preserve their band and they finally were able to in the mid 90s and they got this new singer named michael graves who was this dude he was a gardener for like rich people at the time and he listened to misfits cassettes while he gardened (laughs) at work and they tried out new singers and he got the job and he sounded nothing like danzig Mm -hmm. which is the weird thing he had this like really polished poppy voice and you know danzig was something in between like a jim morrison and an elvis presley but like dirtier yeah no i like danzig's danzig's uh singing well that's the thing i think they were a a punk band by every like possible uh facet back in the 80s is that the word i'm looking for Maybe. Sure, I'll go with it. Fuck it. I'm just reading the Wikipedia, and it's it's like you memorized Wikipedia pages because like everything you just said was the whole introduction to that. <laughs> really? <laughs> Damn near. And you're like, oh, the Misfits disbanded, and this time Danzig had his own thing, Danzig, and then when they got back together, they got singer Michael Graves. So Dan, so yeah, the Misfits are actually one band that I know. Just about everything there is to know about them. Mm. And uh, it was at the point when I was a kid that I had this co-worker. And if you're out there, Steve Hamill, this part's for you, man. (laughs) Steve Hamill 
was my coworker and classmate in high school, and he was obsessed with Yes. <laughs> this okay. This is insane because uh, I'd keep going. Either way, he loved Yes. He could tell you anything about Yes. So to pass the time at work when we were kids, he would ask me any question he could think of about the Misfits, and I would ask him any question I could think of about Yes. And that's how we'd pass the time. I know a lot about the Misfits. I know nothing which about is why, the Yes either. But this is what I want to get to. You're right in saying at this point they're a great brand. Because in the 90s, that's exactly what they became. Mm-hmm. The Misfits' legacy was kind of tainted with the resurrection of the band without the same singer. And they had this... Like, you know, they were supposed to look like a B-horror movie in the 80s, but it was more like grindhouse, gory, creepy stuff. Now they looked like a schlocky, like, kids production. You know, it it was, like, so cheesy. Just look at the American Psycho video sometime, if you ever can. It is so corny. And Michael Graves kind of looked like Brendan Fraser in one of the music videos. I think it was Dig Up or Bones. But it just wasn't that cool. It became a brand, like you said. It was about t-shirts and just this name. And it was no longer about the music and just like, you know. Back in the day, the Misfits were not the biggest band in the in that scene, in the punk scene. But they played all the punk circuits. They played with Minor Threat. And they played with Bad Brands and Social Distortion and the Necros and like all these punk bands from the 80s. They were in that underground scene the thing is is that they were totally different they were more of like a shock rock thing playing the punk style but they were still living that punk life they slept on floors they played diy shows they were fucking making all the props to their show in their fucking parents basement Mm -hmm. and the reason actually that they were so lucky is because the bass player and guitar player were brothers and their father owned the competitor of exacto you know what like an exacto knife is right yeah 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 so their dad owned exacto's competitor Mm -hmm. and sticky blades yeah whatever something like that and that's how they had all this money so they'd just have this basement full of fucking props and like skulls and shit that they'd be designing all day and they did it all themselves though that's why they were punk man like they're building this crazy elaborate horror coffin whatever the fuck it is to be on stage for their show they're doing it in their basement all right i don't know many people who ever met danzig but two people have told me stories about him (laughs) one was from this av guy i worked with in boston who was in the punk scene his whole life he was best friends with bands like gang green and jerry's kids and the fus and ssd Jerry's kids yeah that was a band uh and I asked him if he'd ever saw the misfits like the real misfits he's like yeah one time they came here me and Danza got pissed drunk and went to a church and stole a bunch of gargoyles nice and I'm like that's fucking sweet that's the exact kind of story I want to hear about Danza mm-hmm. the second one came from this guy I knew he was my boss in a warehouse I worked in and he was from the DC punk scene I said, like, did you ever see the misfits he's like yeah, I saw them. Bunch of fucking assholes. <laughs> Did he elaborate more on that? or? No, he didn't. 
Which is their but, dicks. Uh, I thought that was just funny. Yeah. But this takes me to now the, to The Descendants. Okay. And tying all this together. The Descendants, by every default, were that kind of like punk band. They were from California. They were in the, the Orange County scene, I believe. But they uh, were. I can fact check that. Let's fact check that. They might have been out of Los Angeles. That's a, a tough call. Regardless, the Descendants were very much a part of that punk scene in every aspect. They were poor. They fucking slept on floors. They did everything themselves. They toured in a van. They played shitty shows. They made albums that at the time virtually no one cared about or bought. But they were the punk band that introduced a lot of, like, I feel like outsiders to into punk because... They had that, like I said, they had that poppy structure. And so did the Misfits at first. The Misfits' final album, Earth AD, was like a true hardcore masterpiece. It was very weird chord progressions. It was a lot of yelling. But their first works, along with the works of the Descendants, were always very poppy. They had melody. They had catchy hooks. Great little licks to go over the chord progressions. They essentially made punk more accessible. Now, we just listened to No Effects. No Effects has this one song called 13 Stitches where Fat Mike actually sings about going to his first show and seeing the Descendants and realizing that he loved punk. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why the Descendants were such a good band to bridge that gap. They were an easy band to bridge that gap. And that's why I think they will always be loved and respected among any punk audience of any generation. You know, I saw them uh, sub-headline at FYF Fest a few years ago, and I couldn't believe how many people were actually at the main stage for The Descendants. Hmm. You know, I did not think that many people still cared, to be 100% honest. Yeah. And sure as shit, people still do. Uh, that's good. I, uh, yeah, I wish I knew more about them. I couldn't name you one of their songs, uh... They sound cool. Um, <laughs> You'd probably enjoy them. Well, you're about to find out. I'm, I'm about to uh, hear it. We're about to dive off the Descendants D bend here and play some uh, select cuts. Ninja selected cuts. So, uh, enjoy the Descendants. And, and the Misfits. The Misfits. We'll put the Misfits first since you talked about them first. We'll play them first. Word.
to be stereotyped. I want to be classified. classified all right so that was the misfits and the descendants and maybe there's not those on those bands maybe it's just descendants and misfits um but yeah so that was my first time really listening to that band descendants and it's uh it's okay it's all right um it doesn't have the same effect on me as it probably did you growing up and being that influential. Um, I was influenced by a lot, uh, uh, a lot more avant-garde stuff. Uh, Eiffel 65. Um, I really like Chumbawamba. Um, Robbie Williams. Um, you know, things of this nature. Uh, ATC. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, I digress. We're talking punk. Mostly it's you talking bands that you liked growing up. Well, that's why we're going to talk to you now, fucker. Uh, okay. What do you want to know? I mean, those are the bands I listened to growing up. What fucking punk bands did you like growing up? That was the thing. Or what did you... What did you think was punk when you were growing up? Punk was something I couldn't do growing up. <laughs> punk was 
Uh, like, oh, those are the druggies. But why are they automatically associated with Because drugs? in the Rocky Mountain region, where I am from, uh, when you're growing up very white bread uh, with kind of strict parents that you're afraid of um, doing anything against their wishes because you don't want to be grounded. Um, you just sort of knew that punk wasn't something you dabbled in because you'd get in trouble. Like, okay, I remember this. I remember one time, okay, it's like sixth grade. Scott Wilson brought in a sublime tape. That's the one with the back tattoo, okay? And he played me that song. He's like, Mucho gusto, me llamo Bradley. I'm honio than Ron Jeremy. Arrest me down. Yeah, that one, right? And I was like, oh, I like this song. I'm going to go get it. So I went to a store and bought the tape, and it had a parental advisory sticker on it. I was like, oh, I got to be careful about this one. Well, of course, my dad sees it. And it's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to sit down with you, and I'm going to read the lyrics. And I will see if you can listen to this. So he gets, he pulls out that little fold, and like, he makes it halfway down, like, one of the songs. And he's like, okay, I tell you what, I'm going to put this away until you're 18. And then when you're 18, you can have it back. So, the idea of going to, like, listen to punk didn't cross my mind until, like, I mean, I still don't listen to punk, right? Or, like... But you are, by your very nature, a pretty punk rock dude. You see, and that's where, like, I have a hard time understanding the word. And that's why I feel it's more of an attitude, more of an ethos, more of a lifestyle choice than it that's is. That's what I think we've determined in all these podcasts. So then, yeah, I guess that's the point we've made and I'm continuing to make. Is uh, And I'm sure there's some like crust punk motherfucker who's got his little jean jacket on with safety pins and his little devil lock that's like, oh, these motherfuckers don't know what they're talking about. And you know what? I'd, uh, I'd say we know as much as anyone else. Uh, yeah. I don't know. As far as, like, stuff that influenced me when I was growing up, um, like, it was all... Like, I didn't have somebody that didn't listen to non-radio music until I was a senior in high school. Maybe a little, maybe it was a junior in high school. So pretty much my musical taste was, was it on MTV at night? Was, (laughs) sometimes when MTV2 came in, could I see it on MTV2? And what was on the V8, like what CD could I get at Blockbuster? (laughs) So my musical upbringing was a lot less punk in that sense. Um... It was super dancey. Like, I like dancey stuff. I love techno. I love Paul Oakenfold. <laughs> like, <laughs> Transport is a great album. Start to finish. Put it on. It's wonderful. Uh, I liked a lot of the WWE albums. Uh, 
the music volume three had Kane's theme on it x-pac um those were some jam- they had the brood Ooh, that's the song i'm gonna play i'm gonna play the brood's entrance theme um gotta write that down to remember yeah <laughs> yeah dude it was a good song no actually you know what no fuck it where this next bit is all wrestling theme songs are they going to be punk by nature um i can do the one icp did that's not punk that's just the insane clown posse yeah aren't they punk no they very much are a uh i would say they're punk not in a music like thing but as a lifestyle choice like they're very punk what's not punk about icp they do it all outside of the system they do it all themselves they do the tours they sleep on the floors they sleep in the vans and by your criteria that was what you know that's punk i guess like you you've got me backed into a corner here I mean, you are right. You know what? And let's okay. Let's talk about these guys some more. Um, and hopefully we don't get hate mail or death threats. Um, but here's the thing: is I'm not a big fan of the music. Okay, I don't listen to it. But the Juggalo lifestyle, I, how fucking awesome is that? Like, grant I don't. I've not a Juggalo. I've never been to a gathering. I don't think they'd let me in. Um, Anyone's welcome at the gathering. You see, but I, I, that that's what it goes back to is like those guys have created what I think the idealistic punk setting is, which is if you feel like you're welcome there, you're welcome there. And it's a no fucks given attitude. We just want to show up and have a good time and party. You know, and I would say that the juggalos are less snobbish assholes than punk people are <laughs> honestly that's valid like <coughs> punks are like dicks you know <coughs> um oh, that's funny whereas the juggalos are like hey you want to be in come on you're in like it's cool i still don't really like the whole brother sister thing but that's beside the point uh but yeah i mean you know what? You want to hate on the Juggalos' uh, lifestyle? Fuck you. I, I'm not going to defend their music, but uh, I think uh, what they're doing is great. Uh, there need to be more things like that where you're just accepted for who you are if as long... like It's like the Dismemberment Plan song, You Are Invited. It's like, you are invited by anyone to do anything. You are invited for all time. Now, would you consider them punk? Because uh, I kind of would. I don't think they're punk. I, uh, I mean, it again, it goes back to what is the definition of punk. Uh, I think that their music, it's like, I, I call it math rock, but anything that isn't just in 4-4 and switches up tempos a lot and is sort of frenetic, um, I call that math rock. So, again, math rock nerds are going to be like, he doesn't know what the fuck math rock is. Uh, fuck you, it's subjective. Um, I, I, I mean, they're, they've got some attitude. Um, definitely one of my favorite bands. And, like, that's one of those bands that... Um, so when I first started listening to music that was not just on the radio, 
I was introduced to um, the Blood Brothers. I was introduced to the Dismemberment Plan, Q and Not You, Fugazi, um, Lesavi Fav, Thunderbirds Are Now, Minus the Bear. Um, <laughs> See, by nature, though, I think a lot of those bands do contain punk qualities. Punk quality? Yeah, sure. No, no, I, I'll I'll do that. Like, I think they've got punk qualities to them. Um, in the fe- in the sense that like they were doing it to make music that they wanted to make and go out on tour and weren't above playing house shows and sleeping on people's floors and all that like and doing it mostly themselves even if they had some label support behind them um, they were doing it they were road warriors you know um, so I guess in that aspect yeah there's punk qualities there but are they a punk band or punk bands i don't know um yeah sure why not fuck it um so yeah we're gonna play some wrestling entrance themes and uh throw in a dismemberment plan song or two in there and maybe some of the one of those other bands that did things One of the other bands that did things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one. That one band that did things. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, stick around. <laughs> we didn't lie to you, folks. We told you we had living, breathing monstrosities. You don't think it's funny. It's sad, is it?
fucking life. Two days later, still gonna put a sad down the right this a letter with a clearer head and a heart full of lead. the dismemberment plan uh this has been friends without benefits radio hour on behalf of white trash ninja i am cadet edek thank you for listening on bff.fm <laughs>